Hello and welcome to Little Live Story, the podcast where we take an anime and turn it into a movie. And take a movie, turn it into an anime. I'm Eric. I'm Jared. Happy Halloween, Jared. Spooky month. Ooh. End of the spooky month. Happy Halloween. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Debatable. Just saying. No. It is debatable. No. Christmas stole it. Aesthetically, it's definitely the coolest. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so my first, you first. Who's who's you're, hitting who? You're going first today. All right. It's like playing slaps. Yeah. All right. So you ready then? Never. Yes. You ready now? Yeah. I'm going to give you a true classic horror anime. Well, classic in a modern sense. What? Another. Uh, okay. What? Don't make Hey-o. that joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's no, a it's bad a, joke. It's as, it's as bad as... Uh, as the Saiyan joke. That was it. I was trying to think of the lazy yep. anime joke, and that was it. Yep. All no right. one make either of those jokes ever. All right. So what is another? A young boy who transfers to a... I know, Eric. It's surprising. Transfers to a school late due to his wellness. Ends up joining a class that happens to have some mysterious circumstances surrounding it. He only begins to realize this slowly. As, as he's an idiot. A little. And he begins to uncover the truth of a curse that has been placed upon this class involving possibly ghosts, possibly murders. We don't fully know. And the story evolves as we continue. Full disclosure to the one person out there who I 100% know wants to know what I thought of this. It was okay. <laughs> some of the imagery was kind of cool and spooky it would have been nice if the characters acted like they were alive or cared about anything or if anything happened but not even close to the worst thing i've seen so anyway yeah let's just get right into it yeah okay i i have enough of an idea of how to make this american take me there eric no oh all right bye <laughs> you left everybody you realize I could just add the sound know, effect I, like I, I, I did know, last I, time? I know, I know. I don't even know if I could hear that. I know, it's okay. Even though the joke was mainly for us. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Go ahead. We open on the hustle and bustle of a high school graduation ceremony. We see parents walking into the auditorium, taking their seats, shaking each other's hands, talking about times past. Very, very brief, just establishing. And before we get much of this, we do a lateral tracking shot from the auditorium itself past the curtain behind the stage. We see all of the seats all set up for the students, one podium at the front, and we see very quickly some high school boys run up to the podium and start doing something. They're clearly, they're, they're up to no good. Uh, don't rig that bomb. We, we need the, we need the principal. Holy fuck. <laughs> also, one thing to note before I go any further, this is clearly established from even just looking at the parents. This is not modern day. The style of the clothing and the aesthetic of everything looks maybe late 50s, early 60s. Oh, okay. We're really jumping back. Yeah. All right. Just keep that in mind. All right. Yeah, I got the aesthetic. But as soon as the boys finish up whatever they're doing, one of them whispers to the other guy, says, hurry up, go, go. We, we got to get out of here. They bolt just as the principal or whoever walks over to the podium to prepare themselves. Then we cut and we're in the middle of the ceremony itself. Names are being read off. Students are walking up, taking their diplomas, normal high school graduation stuff. The trio, we'll say, of boys who did the tampering are trying really hard not to laugh at whatever the hell they did. And they keep looking from the podium to one decidedly wan looking girl who's sitting just amongst their other classmates. Dark hair and she has an eye patch. All right. All right. Eye patches, Stan. Yeah, it's from, it's from the anime. 
We get a quick over the shoulder of whoever's reading off the names doing the ceremony. And they get to the point in their binder, their list of students, where we clearly see a name looks like it's been whited out or something like that. They notice there's something wrong, but they are on stage. So they move on to the next name. Okay. The bullies burst out into quiet onstage laughter, holding their mouths, almost falling out of their seats. And the eye patch chick looks devastated. After a moment, she raises her hand as if to ask a question. Yeah. And no one who is in a position to do anything about it is looking. All the faculty are at the front staring mm-hmm. out at the audience. The audience can't even see her and none of her student body particularly care. Yeah. So she has her hand up for a sustained 30 seconds and everyone's ignoring her. Okay. Then just as the principal or whoever calls up another person for their diploma, she stands up, walks out to the front of the stage. Everyone then takes notice. The principal pauses, looks over, slightly nervous, slightly confused. As soon as he takes a breath and asks, Miss, whatever your name is, what's wrong? She looks at him and then pitches herself off of the stage down into the orchestra pit, snapping her own neck on the floor. Fucking goddamn. Yes. Woo! We get a few seconds of chaos. Parents screaming, the faculty falling to their knees, all the students being like, holy shit! Then we cut to black. On black, Monday appears on the screen. White text. As opposed to Tuesday. Very good. Yeah. We cut and we're in a similar looking school and we see the routine of who will become our main character. She's a young, nice, average American girl and she has two friends. One who's kind of a dorky dude and one who's our bad girl trope for the day. Okay. This is clearly something like 20 to 25 years later. If that was the late 50s, early 60s, this is the mid to late 80s. Okay. But so we introduce these characters. We learn a bit about who they are, what they're up to, how they operate within their school. They're not popular kids but they're not the lowest of the losers they're kind of this awkward middle tier where they don't get bullied but nobody particularly cares who they are what they do so they're in the dead center of the social hierarchy eventually one of them is handed a note from another more popular student they unfold it and the note says something akin to it's senior skip day everybody if you read this note you're invited to and it has an address b-y-o-b and this and that they're like holy crap we're invited pass it along talk about it very briefly before they're like fuck yeah we're going And then as soon as that class is over, they, along with half of their senior class, dip. And they end up at a local waterfall where there's a big outdoor party going on. Someone scored a keg. There's a boombox out of someone's truck. Everybody's partying. High school partying. It's not that lit or anything, but they're having fun. I was not aware that senior skip day was a thing that every school did. I don't know if it is, but our school did it. So I have to assume it's a thing. Okay. I have precedent to make it a thing. All right. That's fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hoping complain. no one would say anything because <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing yeah, or not I, I I elsewhere either. But it just cause it exists at our school means it can exist elsewhere. Exactly. You pull from your own life when you write fiction. But so we get another social scene during the party, get to know them and their dynamic with a few popular kid side characters and a bully. And the leader of this popular clique seems to be this kid who I'll just refer to him as a class president. I don't know if he specifically is, but he's that tier charismatic, wealthy, talking to everybody, kind of up his own ass but not that bad a guy i understand yes and by the time night falls and the party has completely mellowed out everyone who's not passed out gone home or chilling somewhere else doing their own thing is centered around a bonfire and our class president kid is recanting the story of the senior class curse 
he goes into detail of what we saw at the beginning, the girl yeah. who was ignored into suicide, explaining that her classmates had spent an entire year ignoring her. Jesus Christ. And the, as the legend goes, the graduation was the final straw where she didn't even get her diploma and she threw herself off it. It's a little bit played up because legend and 25 years yeah. have passed. And this guy is getting really into it. He's doing the spooky reading and the dramatic reenactments. He's pausing at all the right places. He's clearly really into it one way or another, whether or not he wants to scare them or wants to legitimately tell them the story. He ends by bringing it back to present day and saying that their class has a responsibility about this. Their class being the seniors of their school yeah. now have to choose one student to ignore for the last week of their school year. He says that doing this is the only way to appease the vengeful spirit of whatever the hell her name was and that they have to do it and they took a vote amongst the student council or popular kids our yeah. students had nothing to do with it and they have decided it's some I again doesn't have a name but points to a kid who's just near the edge of the party doesn't even look like he belongs here just this goth isn't the right word because the 80s, but sort of goth aesthetic, dark clothes, kind of shaggy hair, writing or drawing in a journal, a loner. They're of course, the popular pick the unpopular kid. Pretty much, yeah. exactly. But so they dub that kid as the sacrificial ignored. I'll just call them the ignored or the other, I'll, yeah. whichever I remember at the, the, the time. Uh, the other fits the aesthetic of the title. So. It does. So I'll call them the other. Okay. Our trio of leads don't really approve, but they're like, okay, whatever. It's just a story. Who cares? And there's only a week and to be honest that person's probably ignored a lot anyway. yeah exactly it doesn't change too much yeah either way we cut and our lead is sneaking into her house later that night much later she's clearly a tiny bit drunk from the party and she just gets on the first step when she hears what are you doing out so late turns and her father is standing in the doorway either smoking a cigarette drinking and he grills her about what are you doing just because it's your last week doesn't mean you can do whatever the hell you want doesn't quite yell at her but reprimands her. yeah just just like just like i was worried you know like we had a dinner little no, a were... little more serious okay a little more like what the hell don't fuck around okay L a little more stern gotcha but he mellows out by the end and ends it with you're already late just go to bed you have school in the morning right and she says yes dad i do thank you goes upstairs goes to bed but right after she does we hold on her father for just an extra minute and his face sinks a little this is clearly not a happy person okay then we cut black Tuesday. Is this, uh, okay, Black Tuesday, got you. Is this, so I'm just making a guess. This may be one of the bullies, the father may be one of the bullies from the past. From, oh, I was gonna say from the school? He's like Steve Buscemi with the hello, fellow kids. <laughs> no, okay. no, from the uh, 25 or whatever years earlier. Noted. Either way, we see a bit of the school day for Tuesday. The other is completely ignored by pretty much everybody. When you say pretty much everybody, is it everybody or is there actually... You don't see anyone acknowledging so them. So as far as we can tell, like yeah. everyone's ignoring the other. Yep. Okay. But just when the final bell rings at school, we cut and we are back by the waterfall and one of the preppy kids Kids is still there, half naked, waking up from a blackout hangover. Jeez. He's on this little rocky alcove in the middle of the water with the waterfall 30 feet away. And he's really groggy. He's got vomit on his lips. He's all fucked up. He's surrounded by solo cops and he looks pretty pissed that everyone just abandoned him there. He's got a sunburn because he's been laying out in the sun for six hours. But he resolves like, okay, okay, splashes some water on his face. He's like, oh, I just got to wait across the water and I'll be fine. And when he gets about halfway across, he hears something. We don't hear what it is, but a noise draws his attention back to where he was. He flips around, nothing's there. 
He shakes it off, continues. And just when he's getting to the far side, he slaps his hands on a big boulder to steady himself. And then a shadow impossibly creeps up from behind him, shadowing in front of him on the rock, meaning someone would have to be right behind him. Okay. He spins around as fast as he can, loses his footing, hits his head on the rock, falls into the water, starts being dragged away by the current, goes over the falls, rock dead. Okay. Uh, I don't. Uh, this is the reason I didn't continue another. Cause I. Yeah. Cut Wednesday. Is is it is it like like blood red Wednesday? No. Okay. It's always just black with white text. Oh, okay. I, I misunderstood before. I thought you meant like the title said Black Tuesday. No, no, it's not a fucking Thomas Harris novel. Okay, okay, go, never mind then. Either way, on regular Wednesday. <laughs> regular old non-regular Black Wednesday. Exactly. We see just a couple more very brief shorthand scenes of finals and such, and our lead spies the other in the hallway. And after a moment, she goes over to talk to him. She clearly feels bad about this. From the whole beginning, all of her body language, all of her facial expressions have said that she's not a huge fan of this tradition, as it's called. Yeah. So she goes to talk to him, and just when taking a breath to say, hey, or whatever, the class president grabs her on the shoulder, flips her around, and says, what the fuck are you doing? This is serious. This is tradition. Gets in her face, yells at her about it until she backs the fuck off. She's like, fine, okay, geez, it's stupid anyway. Yeah. And we cut, and it's the end of the day, and our lead is alone in the hallway of the school. She's opening her locker, which is mostly emptied out by now, taking out the last few of her books, and just as she shuts it and latches it, the latch echoes down the hallway and she turns away as if she heard something. Mm -hmm. Looks down the hallway, nothing. Other way, nothing. You get a really creepy Dutch angle of the hallway as lit by the afternoon sun with her alone in the middle of it. She says, hello? Cut. Then it's that night and we see a car full of our respective bully slash prep characters. Okay. Most of the ones we established earlier, yeah. except for the class president. He is not here. Okay. It's somewhere between endearing and annoying because they are kind of dicks and they are criticizing other students or one of them maybe yells out the window at someone they're passing. They're being... They're just being high school, high school jerks. Yeah, pretty much. But one of them maybe pokes the driver in the side or says something that makes him laugh. He turns away, says a retort. Then when he looks back, there's a shadow directly ahead of them in the road. We might see a tiny bit of an eye patch on its face. So like a slightly darker side of it. Or a lighter side of its face. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He screams, says, oh my God, swerves out of the way as fast as he can into the oncoming lane in the way of a semi-trailer. Yeah, I saw this one coming. You go to white, hear a crash, and then cut. feel cut. a little bit less bad about the, this one. We cut to our lead trio driving down that same stretch of road, we assume sometime very yeah. soon afterwards, because they see emergency vehicles, police, fire, rescue, parents, all this commotion around where the accident happened. They get out and say, what happened? And they see bodies, not people, bodies being taken out of the car. All yeah. of them are super fucking dead. But curiously, they notice and overhear that the truck driver that they ran in front of unscathed. He's giving a deposition to the cop being like, I swear I didn't mean to. They just swerved in front of me. I hit the brakes as fast as I could. He's super shaken up. What's the damage to his truck? It's uh, it's about what you'd expect. What you'd expect. He's just unscathed. Okay. Our lead is also shaken up. Underst all of them are. Understandably. They get in the car and leave. Poor uh, truck driver is going to get all the blame for killing those kids and is really the ghost. He doesn't get any blame. He just has to go to therapy. Oh, well, that, that sucks too, but at least he's not going to jail. Thursday. 
rosy Thursday. Stop. Well, no, no, very orange Thursday. Stop. <laughs> I can't help it. Anyway, on Thursday, regular ass Thursday. No colors. No colors. <laughs> we see gym class and their gym teacher takes their job very seriously. And is like, just because it's your last week doesn't mean you have to put fitness on the back burner. Everybody, we're still doing gym. So partner up. And our bad girl side character gets paired with the other. And she, unlike our lead, is unbothered by this whole thing and seems honestly a little annoyed by it. And mm -hmm. she already didn't specifically seem to care for this person who's being yeah. ostracized. So she takes the opportunity to kind of fuck with him a little bit. Let's say she's at first ignoring him when they're dribbling basketballs or throwing balls back and forth or whatever. And then he throws one past her and she lets it go and then turns around. Uh, it's a good thing no one's behind me, bends over seductively to fuck with him just to be kind of a tease. Mm. So she's being rude, to say the rude. least. Rude. It's not yeah, wrong. I know you're not wrong. It's just a very... It's mild. Yeah. Yeah. But our lead who's been watching rushes over, tells her friend, you're being an ass, stop it, and goes to talk to the other. Once again, the class president comes out, puts his hand on her, and is like, listen, what are you doing? I just had this conversation with you, like, yesterday. Similar. <laughs> he does run over and says, what are you doing? But she, this time, mostly ignores him, just says, I'm sorry, just ignore her, ignore all of them. And the other mutters something like, that's the problem, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cut, and it's the end of the school day, and our bad girl character is in the locker room oh, no, she's gonna die she's just stepped out of the shower maybe she felt dirty after class or does a sport doesn't matter she's alone in the locker room and she goes to leave but <laughs> doors locked she's like oh fuck they locked me in looks around other door also locked bangs on the door a little bit yells for help nobody and she looks up and spies window she's like okay this is undignified but slashes her backpack on her back steps onto a stool between the lockers reaches up and just as her fingers tip the latch she slips falls beans her head on the glass glass goes everywhere beans her head on the sink directly below the glass and lands in a puddle of her own blood really dazed but just when she gets her faculties back enough to focus her vision upward she sees a piece of the glass that broke off from the mirror is pendulously rocking back and forth and yeah. back and forth and back and forth on the sink uh. it tips back all the way seemingly about to fall into the sink then tips forward, falls right towards her face. Yeah. I don't like it, Eric. You're capturing the way that people die in, in another a little too well. It's unsettling me. Welcome to this type of horror, which I'm not even that big a fan of either. <laughs> Either way, we cut to after school, hanging out outside, and our lead is talking to the other. The class president, noticing this, as he always seems to, gets really mad, but this time doesn't confront our lead about it. He huddles up with all of his other people and says, let's just ignore her too, okay? Everybody, t pass it along. We're ignoring both of them, because she's fucking this up. Everyone goes along with it, some of them more reluctantly than others. Our lead, after she finishes having conversation with the other, where she says, we'll meet up later. We have to talk about this. Something weird's going on he says sure she goes to talk to her nerdy friend who blows her off just looks away definitively specifically ignoring yeah her. she's like oh fuck. Like, doing a bad job of it but but, but doing ignoring it. it yeah he looks guilty but he still does it and she's like oh fuck you then and she leaves in a huff and goes to meet with the other they have a bit of a get to know each other scene briefly we learn a little bit more about him he mm. lives very insular very lonely life and he shows her his journal that he we saw him writing in earlier and in it 
are a bunch of really creepy, scratchy sketches of Eyepatch Girl. She gets kind of spooked and they talk about it a little bit, but she's bothered and just backs away and leaves. Anywho, our lead comes home late-ish again. And again, her dad's like, tomorrow's your last day of school ever, hon. Can you just do me this one favor and not ignore me until you leave for college at least? And she makes an offhanded comment, says something like, sorry, I'm just really scatterbrained. Everything's going wrong at school and I'm just dealing with some curse shit. And he goes white. Yeah. Jared was right. Yeah, I called it. Yep, through exposition, including flashbacks to the opening scene and other scenes shot in the same time. Yeah. We see that her father was indeed one of the bullies who was responsible for bullying her into her suicide. So instead of the ghost hunting him down, he, she's hunting down other people whose crimes are mild at best. And he even says, yeah, I, I got proof of it. If you don't believe me, she's like, no, I believe you. But he shows her he has her diploma. Oh. They snatched it off the table to complete the illusion. When yeah. they did it. And he just stashed in his bag, ended up going home with it. So he still has it to this day as a reminder, a reminder of how fucked up he is and how guilty he feels and stuff. Yeah. And she's like, Jesus H. Christ. But over the course of the scene, the dad, he says that the legend or the way people perceive it must be fucking wrong because there's no way that this spirit, whatever it is, would lash out if you didn't replicate this. That makes no sense. Yeah. That's not how this works. This is fucked up. We have to stop this. I was thinking that because if I remember correctly, the first guy died before the main character tried to talk to the other. So it started after everyone decided there was another. Yeah. There was another, whatever. You get what I mean. Another. And other? That uh, works. Yeah, yeah, th that. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Anyway, Friday. It, it, it's, it's Purple Friday. Sure. Okay, cool. It's not. Aw. We get a brief assembly at the beginning of the day where the principal or whoever, superintendent, talking about the tragedies that have befallen, including our bad girl side character's death, which our lead is super fucking distraught about, says, with all this in mind, we have to postpone graduations. But on her last day, we see our lead and the other are piled up because they're being ignored by everyone, including teachers. Huh. Not as overtly, yeah. but teachers seem to be avoiding eye contact, at least. It's kind of creepy. So are they still calling their names in class? It's the last day. What do they have to call their names I for? I guess it's a good point. But so over the course of the day, those two are talking about the legend and what they can possibly do about it. They're hatching some kind of scheme whilst being ignored. But we cut to after school and we're in the the bedroom with our nerdy side character. He seems to be fraught with guilt over ignoring and betraying essentially his friend. Yeah. And he looks, there's, I don't know, he looks at photos of them that were taken and are just uh, on his desk or uh, something. Yeah, this is some, something like convenient and sweet. Yeah. And he goes to pick up the phone to assumedly call his friend, our lead. But instead, he notices right next to it is his parents, who said they were leaving at the beginning of the scene, booze, unguarded. So instead of dealing with it like a mature person, he's like, you know what? Yeah. I was drink my way through my problems. Mm -hmm. So he pours himself glass after glass, gets homebound fucked up. Pretty quickly, he starts to feel really weird. Like he falls over. He's doubled over in pain as if he's got a stomach ache. Or as if he drank poison. It's revealed through, well, perception being messed with, that what he was positive had been vodka. 
was bleach. And yeah, he starts vomiting blood and just collapses in a puddle on the kitchen floor, absolutely dying. You know, if you just made that phone call instead of fucking being an alcoholic, you wouldn't have been drinking bleach. It's spirit stuff. Maybe he was possessed or drawn to it. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking most likely he probably was like, you know what? It does make more sense to drink instead of call. Exactly. Some slight mind trickery. Anyway. Saturday. 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 You're going to get us copyright strike with that beautiful singing there. Yeah. Anyway, Saturday. We see another scene of our lead and the other discussing how they're going to do their thing. Everyone is still ignoring them. Not townies, but they see people on the street. They go to the ice cream parlor or a diner something to talk. And the person there is went to their school, so is ignoring them. But they devise a plan that maybe if they go to the auditorium, they can try and dispel the vengeful spirit in some way. Mm-hmm. While they're doing this, we cut and we see the class president a ways away, like sitting in his car, just staring, staring at them. Staring, a cat, being like, they're ruining my plans. But we get a very quick scene where our lead goes into her dad's room. He's drunk on the bed, retrieves the diploma and puts it in her bag. Then they grab a crowbar, break into the auditorium where everything is set up for the graduation that was supposed to happen on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But there's still chairs, podium, diplomas. And so they go in, they walk around, they try and talk at the air. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Making brief apologies. But before they get too far with this, the door opens and the class president is there with a fucking revolver. Oh my god. This he's escalated. Po- he's pointing the gun at them. He looks pretty nuts. He's got gritted teeth. He's just raving about how she's fucking everything up and she killed her friends and his friends and she's ruining everything and all this. And he chases them around, fires a bullet at them. They dodge it. They run away, almost corners them, fires a second bullet just as they get out of the way the bullet ricochets off something metal in the scaffolding hits him in the neck he collapses clutching his throat dying thanks ghost fucking i mean the the only person people that the ghost could possibly even slightly care about is the two people being ignored there but just after that gunshot rings out the door opens again and our lead's father runs in he runs onto the stage screams for some kind of sanity for the situation yeah and he starts speaking more pointedly because they were just talking at the auditorium but he's speaking to the seat where she was sat down and he opens up a bit actually makes a heartfelt apology says that he didn't mean for it to go that way they were just kids it was how it was not making excuses just telling you how it is please don't punish my daughter or my kid or anyone else's kids it's not their fault I promise and he gestures to his daughter who hands him the diploma and he's standing there right in front of the podium staring at the seat and then the most overtly supernatural thing in the whole movie happens okay when we had been cutting back and forth between his perspective and the seat, there was nothing there. Now we see a shadow of a person in the seat and they stand up. The seats are on them part as if force pushed. Yeah. The father starts to levitate in the air, levitated backwards, flipped upside down, dropped right down into the orchestra pit where she landed. Neck snaps. Uh dies yeah i saw this one blood leaks out from a bone protruding from his neck leaks all over the diploma which then seems to vanish okay then where the lights in the place had been flickering and the whole thing had been deep shadowed the room suddenly seems a little less spooky our lead is obviously very sad that her father died but there's a sense of peace that sort of overtakes the place the other and the lead huddle together staring at the body staring at the situation overwhelmed when we cut to black sunday 
Must be a different Sunday though, because our lead's hand reaches into frame and sets a framed photo of her father on a shelf. Cut wider, we're in a college dorm. She's got two boxes in her hands and a few more behind her, but she regards a letter that she pulls out of her pocket that's from her other, the other, who she's clearly become very close friends with, mm -hmm. and pockets it or sets it on the shelf as well. Talks to her new roommate, has a brief introduction before there's a knock at the door, door opens, and there's an RA. Are you guys interested in the student council run haunted tour of the school because this school as you might or may or may not know is very haunted and it might be a great way to get to know the faculty and the students and your and your fellow ghosts there's a long pause just coverage of her face and she just says no thank you cut to black good answer girl yeah and that's that i liked it i uh, now it must be stated i never finished this anime i'll be honest it scared me so i didn't go all the way through Worse. yeah well but from what i know of this anime and what from what i saw you've done a really good job capturing a lot of both the elements the themes and the way people die again the... yeah it's it's just the final destination sort of people dying in ways that could be written off as yeah accidents. and there are suicide some, there are other way there are other ways people die but it's always like weird yeah. like questionable supernatural stuff mm -hmm. i just don't care about that kind of horror it bores the shit out of i me. completely understand but i still knew what i had to do with it yeah um before i wrap up obviously directed by this is just 100 a middle tier blumhouse movie for anyone out there who knows what that means so directed by james wan who uh he directed the conjuring and insidious saw so he's good at low budget horror mostly supernatural he also directed aquaman for you jared what the hell yeah it's an outlier isn't it the, the new one yes what the hell yeah isn't that isn't that weird yeah that is very weird yeah but either way he's really good at horror but if i do step out of the comfort zone of a blumhouse movie it's directed by david robert mitchell who directed it follows which i almost showed you this year you're lucky i know we got it's really lucky very creepy but it's one of the best supernatural horror movies to come out in the past decade and it's very heavy in subtext so that would fit in because this movie is a lot about peer pressure and bullying and regret and there's honestly not as much subtextually going on as with it follows but still there's a lot to play with yeah so i think he would do well and i didn't have anyone in mind for the cast so you said before with kids especially that you know you don't want to just teenagers are a lot easier to cast because they're usually played by 27 year olds but either way yeah, i didn't want to do that and no one jumped out of me so that's so fair. that's that unless you got any other questions uh no i think i think everything is clear enough spooky yeah <laughs> okay so that was one hell of a journey thank you all right I you get a treat in my eyes yeah i know because you get to adapt my favorite horror movie, John Carpenter's Halloween oh, from 1978. I thought you were going to say The Thing, because usually you say John Carpenter. That would John be Carpenter's even worse. <laughs> um, ah, yeah, so I have a lot to live up to if it's your favorite horror movie. I'm not expecting miracles. Well, but... hopefully I can pull one off. Anyway, I'll give the brief description for all... Seven of the people out there who don't know. Halloween is the story of one Michael Myers, who, when he was six years old, murdered his older sister on Halloween night for seemingly no reason and was incarcerated in a mental institution on Halloween night. Fifteen years later, he breaks out, returns to his hometown, and stalks a woman named Laurie Strode for ambiguous reasons. He ends up killing a few of her friends and wreaking complete havoc on the town, all the while being hunted down by his, I'll say, eccentric psychiatrist who thinks that he is evil incarnate. By the end of the movie, there's an epic confrontation where Laurie defends herself thinking he's defeated. He isn't. Loomis shows up, shoots Michael six fucking times, throws him out a window. They think it's over. Spoilers, it's not. He vanishes into the night on one of the best cliffhangers of all time. The end. That's it. 
I got a little excited. Yeah, I could tell. But so make that into an anime. <clears throat> we open with a mother, father, and son walking home wearing a yukata and kimono, respectively. I it, know what the second one is. It, it, yukata is basically a kimono for a man. I that was my guess. Yeah. All right. And they're they're walking home. They're talking excitedly about having just gone to a festival, and the kid is like carrying like a little fish that he won from like a, one of those little I don't know what they are, but that's a little paper. It's basically a really thin paper on a uh, on a circle that you just try to lift it up really slowly and put it in a bag. I couldn't have less of an idea what the hell you're talking well, it's, about. It's, it's, a, it's carnival, like a carnival game? It's a carnival game. Okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, so he's talking about that, excited about the fish. The mother's just mostly listening, and the father's talking to the kid. And they arrive home, and they're like all excited. They close the door. And then we transition to clearly later that night. The, you can see police lights bouncing off the house. And this is not just a police car. There is a whole, An armada. Yeah, a whole bunch of police cars. And there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of people talking. And we then see two police officers exit the building. And there's clearly someone in between them that's being escorted to the police car. We do not get even a silhouette of the person in between. We just get the two police officers and they're at, uh, they escorted the police car. That police car takes off and then we stay there for a few more seconds and then three gurneys come out. A gurney with a hand sticking out that clearly is the mother. Clearly, we see her wedding ring or something. Yes. Or her bracelet. Yes, some, something that clearly indicates the mother. One that has a full-size body bag and the last one, which is very deflated and there's not much space, implying it's the kid. Yep. We cut to 15 years later. We are now at a school with what is our main character and he's chatting with his friends during lunchtime. He's talking about stuff of nothing to do with what we just saw. They mention in passing that the Oban Festival is coming up, that they're excited for that and then one of them also mentions they have a test coming up and then they all grown and then the teacher comes back in they resume class i'm sorry did you say how old these kids were high school age just had to ask for some feudal reason we then see the class end and we see them hang out for a little while longer getting to know each of the characters a little bit better and then we see the main character head home as soon as he opens the door and closes it we cut to black the end how brave of you that was short yeah i know it's crazy isn't it we then see blaring emergency lights now lighting up the blackness in a hallway people are scrambling around yelling at each other freaking out about something a lot of them look like doctors and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of doors fly open then people from these pseudo cells come out and they just start freaking out some of them may be attacking the let's call them assistants but they're getting out of their room yeah they're like some of them are holding their heads some of them are pacing some of them are scratching themselves they're just neurotic yeah and then we zoom the camera forward and then tilt it so we can see 17e the door comes open and then we see a really really barely visible silhouette step into frame the shape that's what michael's called ah okay yeah if that's his moniker huh yeah Learn something new. Anyway, then the camera changes angles a little and he remains poorly lit as he exits his cell and slowly starts walking down the hall, uninterested in the things going around him and actually kind of ignored by people. They're clearly way too busy, but he's just casually walking straight down the hall. I'll play a few seconds. Actually, no. You tell me when I should play a few seconds of the Halloween theme on the mic. It'll happen way later. Just tell me when. Okay. We cut to a bit later as we see a car then hurriedly pull into the parking lot of this supposed building and a man busts out of the car and runs in. I'm excited because I know who this is, but I'm just hung up on supposed building. Why? What's supposed about it? Well, because we saw this poorly lit man walk down the hallway and exit 
the hallway. We didn't see him exit the building. So we don't really know what the building is until after the fact. Anyway, so he busts into the building and he's running down the hall and we see the aftermath of this carnage. Yeah, whatever just happened. We see papers all over the place. We see a few escapees still being cornered. around. Yeah, well, we don't, well, there's no one being left alone now. Most of the escapees have been corralled. Yes. Most of them have been detained and a lot of the situation has been under control, but the chaos of what just happened is still kind of there. Mm-hmm. Just papers and whatnot. And he runs right past a bunch of escapees right down that hall we just saw and right up to 17E. He opens the door which had been closed due to automatic locks and stares into the cell and sees nothing and says oh no. End episode one. Nice. Episode two begins with a young woman wearing a business suit touring a house along with like a a young couple, clearly newly engaged. She is going through and she's explaining all these different amenities the house has, showing them different rooms and realty stuff. Yeah, realty stuff. Throughout the tour, the young couple gets more and more impressed until she's done. And then the young man, as they're about to leave, says, yeah, I really like this house. Like it was wonderful. I I love the spacious uh, kitchen and whatnot. And the incense you put in here really made it feel more homely and she's like yeah yeah the incense i know i did that on purpose you know i wanted to get your attention she's like yeah it was a great touch as soon as they leave she gets a really confused look on her face turns around and at that point we see the house is the same house from the beginning the myers house in quotes yes she looks really confused but then she shrugs it off and walks down the street We stay in the house for a few more seconds until a light that was left on in the top right window turns off Creepy. Cut back to the young man, the main character, eating something, just watching, I don't know, some comedy show. It doesn't really matter. Then the young woman comes in through the door and he's like, oh, shush, with food in his mouth. How was the creepy house? She rolls her eyes and he finishes eating something. He's like, what? No, it's, it's the murder house. What, what do you want? It's like, don't call it the murder house. It's a regular house. Bad things happened there a long time ago. We don't talk about it. He's like, whatever. She says that she's just tired and she just wants to go take a nap. He's like, all right. Is she definitively older than him since yeah. he's high school? He's high school. She's 20s. early to mid 20s. Yep. And other question? Yeah. Since Halloween has a lot of title cards say the date, is this around halloween no i thought not this and i can explain it now no i mean if you had a reveal for later in mind okay yeah yeah, that's fine that's fine i I figured not but I, i wanted to ask yeah this is not a by halloween we then cut to the doctor we saw earlier now sitting in a cop car driving along the road and he's trying to explain to him about how bad the situation is about how he's doing sp- Loomis stuff yeah he's basically like this guy is really bad we can't let him be out and the cop being like ah it's fine like you know it's just one just some loony yeah just like some guy I mean it's not great it, we'll, we'll, but we'll find him it's not that big of a deal he is also explaining just like with Michael Myers that he's been watching him for I don't remember how long it was the movie but 15 this, years yeah it was exactly 15 years and he's saying that he hasn't said a word and the cop's just dismissing him. Then as they keep going forward, they then see a dead body off to the side of the road. The doctor's like, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. They stop, they pull over the car and he runs over and he flips over the body. It's the young man we saw that was touring the house. Shite. He has his throat slashed open. The cop comes over and he's like, oh shit, this is bad. Uh, And then the doctor then looks up and sees a couple meters away, the woman. Same situation, lying on her back, throat slashed open. So the cop investigates the second body and then the doctor notices skid marks from the grass into the road and away. He draws the same conclusion that we do, but doesn't say anything about him taking the car. The cop then goes back to his car to radio in the deaths, and he just stands there dumbstruck. 
as the cop goes back to his car, the doctor sniffs the air once and mutters under his breath incense. Then we cut. Now, back at school, the main character is talking to his friends again, and now they're specifically moaning, bemoaning, this big end-of-the-term or whatever test, and they're complaining about that, and they decide that they're going to have a little get-together study group at the main character's house later, and they- Fucking nerds. Yeah, well, they, they care about their grades. I like nerds. After they talk for a little while longer, cut again, and now we're with the young woman, uh, the sister, at the police station talking to the police- about the young couple, like when the last time she saw them was, like what they were acting like, and regular police stuff. After that, she then leaves and heads back home, and we stay in the police station for a little bit longer, and then we turn to see the doctor, and now he's giving a full exposition on what he knows of this escapee. We learn a couple things. Does this escapee have a a special name? Yes, but honestly, I couldn't come up with anything as creative as Michael Myers, so just in this, it has a cool name, I just don't know what it is. I'll just call him Michael. Yeah, it's fine, you can call him Michael. Okay. He explains that on the report that he was given, there was clearly a break-in that happened 15 years ago, and there was some kind of tussle, and everyone died except the kid. And the kid was found holding a knife with the blood of his mother and father, but not the robber. But the robber was also dead. And he's been watching this kid for 15 years, observing him or whatever. Hasn't said a word like Michael, I assume. Yes, but he's grown into the spitting image of his father. And I'm not talking like, you know, he has his father's eyes. I mean, he is his father. Huh. As soon as he makes mention of the fact that he looks exactly like his father, we transition to Michael with his face fully visible, staring at the house that the main character lives in. That's a cardinal sin right there. You're amongst the high honors of Rob Zombie for showing his face in close-up. <laughs> we then see, not even a second later, the young woman enter the screen and enter the house. Michael's a class A peeper. Yes, he absolutely is. He watches the house for a few more seconds, and we cut. We're now inside, and all the friends are talking about the test coming up again. Like, they're very hung up on this test. And they're they're pulling out their books, and they're preparing the study, and then then one of them mentions that all the studying is going to prevent them from going to the Oban festival. And the main character is like, all right, let's get as much studying done as we can. And if we get enough done, we can then go to the rest of the festival later. And they all agree. And they are you going to explain what that is? Or do I have to ask now? Uh, I can tell you now. I was going to explain at the end. Okay, that's fine. As long as it's getting next. Yeah, I have a full explanation why what the Oban festival Wookie. is. Then we transition to another room and the young woman enters the room and then she notices one of the cabinets are open, specifically the cabinet with her deceased parents' pictures in it. She also notices the smell of incense. God damn it. However, I was about to say. however the incense that would be lit isn't. So she just smells it despite looking at the incense candle and it's not lit. One of the main character's friends then decides, yeah, well, I guess decides, he, he needs to use the bathroom. So he gets up and starts heading towards the toilet. And on the way, he notices the shower room. Now, I, for those that don't know, Japanese houses don't have the toilet in the same place where they have the bath and the shower. So those are two separate rooms. You have a toilet room and a shower slash bathroom. 
Huh. So he notices the bathroom, the actual bathroom door a little open. Thinking he can be a little perv, he thinks the young woman, the sister, is taking a bath. And he, is, he wants to maybe go in and maybe accidentally, quote unquote, sneak a peek. And he sneaks in and he sees the silhouette of a person on the, I don't know what it's called, but you know like the shower glass that's like all crackled? Fro- frosted glass. Yes. He sees a silhouette on the frosted glass and he thinks he's all clever and he goes to open the door. Oh, Jesus. A hand grabs him, drags him in. We cut. That was pretty good. Michael and his busty ass figure. Yeah. <laughs> Draw honey 17 year old to sweat. We then cut back to the sister who closes the cabinet and I guess shrugs off the smell of incense. And as soon as she closes the cabinet doors, the lights go out. She groans and she goes over to one of the doors. It's locked. Okay. Goes over to the other door. It's locked. She's like, to herself, I didn't even know this door had a lock. She then starts weakly freaking out, like a little bit like, hey, brother, let me out. So she's banging on the door and the brother gets up. And as soon as he leaves the room, we then see Michael Myers slowly stand up from behind the couch, put his hand over the friend that was still at the table, and then we cut. So Michael's still just uh, face naked? Yes. Yeah. He's not wearing a mask. Hmm. Face naked? Yeah, I don't know what you meant either, but I I mean, you know what I meant. Well, you know what I mean. Cut back to the young woman's perspective as she sees the door handle jiggle a couple times and she takes a step back. The door flies open. It's the brother. He's like, oh, don't worry. I, I, I am here to your rescue. And then from right over his shoulder, we see Michael with a knife about to stab him. She doesn't know what's going on, but she just has initial reaction of grabbing him and throwing him behind her. And the knife slashes her arm. She then tells her brother to just get away and get some help as she ends up in a chase with Michael's... Ar- Michael's? In a the, ch- the fabric store. Yeah, yeah. Of the the, the Arts store. And craft store. Yeah. She ends up in a chase with Michael around the house. We then cut back to the doctor who is very slowly in his own car driving through this neighborhood. He does pass the Michael Myers house, but keeps driving past it, making note of it. And he sees a turquoise blue car parked out in front of the house way up ahead. We then see the main character from his perspective running out of the house and going up to the house next door and banging on the door and be like, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. No response. Next house, no response. Everyone's out celebrating. Then the doctor drives up to him like, what's the problem, son? He's like, there's a man in my house. He's gonna like hurt my sister, maybe worse. He then goes with the main character into the house. We then, in a much similar scene to the movie, find our young woman now trapped in a closet with Michael Myers about to break down the door. He's about to get in, and then the brother comes bursting through the door, throws a fire extinguisher at Michael, which kind of knocks him back a little and makes him drop the knife. Cool. The doctor then also bursts into the room, throws a knife, which stabs him right in the eye. The fuck? I am Shinobi Loomis. Well, you know, he just got lucky. He just kind of threw a knife and hoped it hit him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The doctor then grabs the knife on the floor, runs right up to him, and stabs him right in the heart. And then proceeds to body check him out the window through the glass. Hard fucking core. He looks down at Michael's body, which is bloody, stabbed at the ground, and then turns back to the young woman who is understandably freaking out in the closet corner, breathing hard to herself. He, after comforting her for a little bit, calls the police, and on his way of calling the police, he looks out the window again, and nobody. Is that where the theme is? We had to have that scene. It's just, it's necessary. It is iconic. As he stares at the spot where Michael's body used to be, the red and blue lights slowly get brighter and brighter as they overtake that spot. 
and then we end. All right. We have a lot of questions, I'm sure. Uh, not uh, a lot. Okay. Well, let me start with the thing that needs to be stated. So, obviously, this is not about Halloween. I, I know. It's sacrilegious. What this the is, fuck is it called? The, the Oban. Okay, neat. So in Japanese culture, Halloween is more of a time of playing around. Like you dress up and you eat candy. Their scary season is the Oban time. It's the time of basically summoning the spirits of ancestors and parents. Mexican and Day of the Dead analog. Yes. And they, they summon the spirits back to their house and they like celebrate that. And that's when they go to haunted houses and do spooky stuff. When is it? It's sometime in August. Okay. Halloween has a good relationship with August anyway. A lot of the movies used to come out in August. Huh. But yeah, so that's why I went with the Oban Festival over Halloween. Yeah, and that works, making yeah. it culturally appropriate. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so go ahead, ask your questions. Um, I don't have a shitload. I mean, I feel like the incense is just a thing. The incense is because obviously you burn incense to honor the dead, and he carried the smell of incense with him. Okay, yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I like that. Um... Why did you choose to not go with a mask? Because the... Oban doesn't do masks? No, no, that could have fit in. But I wanted to accentuate the fact that he now looked exactly like his father. All right, that was my second question. Why did that Why? happen? Well, yeah, like, I'm just curious if there, like, there... I know, again, ambiguity is important here, yeah. but I'm just curious. There is a reason. I can explain it to you overtly, but th no one knows. Like, in universe, well, yeah, no one knows that. why. All right, no, I won't, I won't bother. Okay. All right, um... Yeah. So, like, I had a lot to live up to here. Yeah. Where? How? How much did you like or dislike this? I, I, I like the the Oban thing. Like, I like making it appropriate for Japan rather than just making it Halloween in Japan, yeah. which wouldn't have fit as well. Yeah. Like that's creepy, and I like that. Uh, it, this honestly, this seemed really thin. Like, it seemed really short. Like, how many episodes is this? Uh, normal, like twelve. Really? Yeah. Huh, the amount of content that you, like, described, it sounds like it'd be, like, four episodes. There's, there's a lot of, like, stuff that really doesn't matter that was, like, you know, them being at school, the the, the, the sister doing, sister, like, adult things, mm. and a lot of things that really wasn't important for me to translate. Fair, I guess. Then, no, I mean, my only other really, like, thing that stood out one way or another was I think your Lori equivalent wasn't as strong as the one in the movie. Yeah. But she didn't suck or anything, but she just didn't quite match up. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I'm fairly neutral. Like it, it wasn't bad. Again, I, I like as long as I didn't disappoint. No, no, I don't. I don't hate it. It's, okay. it's fine. That's like, good. It, it seems like it could lend itself to some things. I honestly just, I think there's a lot more that could have been done. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. But, but no. as you know, horror is advice. No, it's true. Yeah, taking that in mind, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Oh, that was that was another thing. Yeah. There definitely would be a piano piece similar to Halloween score in this. Good. Though there's also a I don't remember what it's called, but there is a traditional Japanese drum that has a very distinct sound that also plays on top of the piano piece and the drum itself is reactive to the environment. So kind of like the synth things that are in the movie whenever something happens there's that like a little, yeah. So like when the main character is getting closer to dying the, the drums get closer or when they narrowly avoid death it goes from loud to quiet okay so it's very specific soundtrack implementation yes that's kind of neat mm -hmm. music is very important for halloween yeah so i know that since you're listening to this on or near halloween if you're listening when we release it whatever that that'll throw off our weekly release schedule of saturdays that is not an accident because a halloween specials are important to me but also we are going to be switching to a bi-weekly still on saturdays but a bi-weekly release schedule for 
the sake of sanity and mellowing out now that we got our first quote-unquote season done. So you can still find us in the same places and you can still find us on Saturdays, but now it's going to be every other Saturday, alternating Saturdays. So just wanted to make that perfectly clear. Yep. So we got to get through this as always. If you want to uh, follow us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Jared, mm, the letter N, Eric, one. And it really helps us out if you like, comment, subscribe, do anything. Tell your friends. Yeah, like it really helps to give us input at the very least. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. Either way, are are you good then? I'm all good. All right. I'm Eric. I'm Jared. And thank you for listening to our little live story. And have a spooky- Happy Halloween. Spooky day. <laughs>